Welcome back to Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg. I'm Jen. And this is episode 21. 21. Old enough to drink. And it's about a month late. (laughs) (laughs) So in case you guys didn't know, we took a break because we went to Japan. Japan. So we, uh, getting back in, it's really interesting. It takes time to recover. And anytime you go on a trip, you always have a little bit of jet lag. Um, But for some reason, this trip was, it took a little bit more out of me than I thought it would. So getting back to work and reacclimating took a little bit of time, but obviously we wanted to share uh, the trip with you guys. So today's podcast is all about our trip to Japan. There's no talk about Woo-hoo! game news. There'll be some video game talk because I'm going to talk about the video games I bought when I was there and a little bit stuff like that, but we're not going to go over any game news or anything like that. So if you came here just for the hard hitting opinionated game news from us, eh, you're going to be disappointed. Well, you're not going to be disappointed if you're going to hear about Japan. <laughs> but if you care about Japan, then you will not be disappointed. And I think we would be pretty happy. So, uh, yeah. So we're just going to talk about that for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I think we should just start basically with how the trip exactly went for us. So we started off, um, we left Minneapolis at Thursday at like, what, 6 a.m. maybe? That sounds about right. Well, it's more like 5 because... We had to go to Minneapolis, and then um, we stayed with some lovely people. Bruce and Priscilla welcomed us into their home. Mm-hmm. We had a rousing game of Trivial Pursuit, which the girls won. Which I still have to... I'm still not sure that uh, there wasn't cheating involved. How was there cheating involved? Maybe PEDs, I'm not sure. What does that mean? Those are performance-enhancing drugs. Oh, please. A lot of, a lot of sports players use oh, those. Please. So I, I mean, I, I'm not saying you did. I I'm was just... full of sparkling water. <laughs> I'm just saying anything's possible. <clears throat> so the flight took about 13 hours from Minneapolis. We did make a stop in Dallas first. And then from Dallas to Narita Airport was about 13 hours. Yeah, 13 hours, which was I'm... ridiculous. Yeah, I'm just going to be honest. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> like, so this is what I've been telling people. So hours one through six are okay because our flight had like a a Netflix type service for your own TV. So you had your own remote, your own TV, and there were like hundreds of movies and TV shows and everything. So you just kind of watched whatever you wanted to watch. So I, I watched, I think like four movies that I'd been wanting to catch up on for a while. And that was awesome. Right. So, um, I watched these four movies. It was great. You get up, you stretch a little bit. And then all of a sudden you're like, I still have another seven hours in this airplane. You can't see the end yet. <laughs> <laughs> and so it gets really, it gets really frustrating. Um, and then the next like three or four hours are essentially hell. And yeah, then, it wasn't fun. <laughs> and then after the three to four hours, then you start to like when you're on your last two or three, you're like, oh, well, I can just watch another movie or I can listen to some music and like pass a couple hours. So that middle is actually what's worse, not the end, but the middle. Right. And, you know, you try to stand up every few minutes and, and do that, but. Any of that you can find online about how to survive long trips. It's just to keep yourself occupied or sleep. It was an overnight flight, thankfully, but there was two people that were in the row in front and to the left. We were sitting in the middle. We took up the whole middle um, with the four of us. And on the side, there was a person who consistently opened his window about every 10 minutes, it seemed. Yeah, he just wanted to make sure. It was this quick little zip-zip kind of. He just wanted to make sure the ocean was still there. Yeah, yeah, I was like, buddy, it's still there. Plus, 
there was a whole red wine fiasco where he spilled his whoever he was with his partner spilled red wine on him and so then the whole cabin smelled like red wine for a good 20 minutes while they were trying to figure it out and then he was walking around the plane and just his socks and it was super grossed out about that that was really gross yeah like i kind of feel bad for the guy because he clearly had spilled wine on his socks on a 13-hour flight is probably miserable probably but then he in turn made the rest of us suffer with him which i have no like i don't feel bad for him at all but anyway the flight gets over it's not a big deal like it but we left uh dallas at like 10 a.m thursday and with the time zone change we landed in tokyo friday at like two in the afternoon so it's really weird to be like you lose an entire yeah, day. like it was Thursday, and then you fly a whole bunch, and then you're like, oh, I'm really exhausted. Oh, it's already Friday. And then you get back in, and you're jet-lagged. So you're like, oh, I'm going to go to sleep right away. And then you're, it's essentially Saturday. <laughs> so you left Thursday morning, and you're ready to do stuff Saturday. Well, we just kind of tried to power through it as best as we could. And we landed in Tokyo at Narita, and then we had to take a train to Tokyo um, to get into kind of the the train system. And uh, we had to get to Ueno Station, right? Yeah. Well, that was well, we took Narita to Ueno and then Ueno to Machia, which was the, the station where we needed to get to to get to our Airbnb. Yeah, it all seems pretty simple until you're there mm-hmm. and, and you're jet lagged from flying for 12 hours or 13 hours. So we, uh, it, it, it was good. You know, we got there and then there was this nice uh, Japanese businessman. Uh, was like, hey, you look lost. Can we? Can you help? Or can can so we help you? Nice. <laughs> and uh, and he did. He helped us, and uh, he he got us on the right train. We were very close. We we were like, because the train station's not that big, um, and it's not so much that it was in Japanese and you couldn't understand it. It was more that like we just don't use public transportation like that often. So, you know, when you're in a foreign country, but you also like just don't understand subways and stuff because we don't have a lot of those like around here. That it was a like a double you know, difficulty, but it ended up being um, just fine. And we got there and, and our, our Airbnb, we had us, uh, Seiko and Brad were awesome. Seiko met us at the train station and walked us to the Airbnb. Which was really nice. Yeah, it was, yeah, they... And she pointed some stuff out. She's like, oh, there's the 7-Eleven. This is a 24-hour McDonald's. There's a sushi place down here. Here's a pharmacy. Here's a 24-hour grocery store. Yep. It was yep. great. We were in a really good location. Yeah, if we if we go back to Tokyo, which I very much want to someday, um, we will stay at that same place again. It was it was far enough out of the main city where, uh, you know, you didn't feel like you were, it was crazy busy nightlife. But then you also were able to get to everything you wanted. And having a McDonald's close by was nice for a little familiarity, especially when you first landed, because you're just like, I just want to have something that I know is going to be good. Well, not only that, but um, because we were so jet lagged, what we were finding is we were waking up. We were going to bed at like 9 p.m., waking up at like 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. Four or five if you're lucky. And (laughs) the problem was that, you know, you wake up, you think it's breakfast time, you're kind of hungry, and there's no place open until probably about 10 o'clock. So having a 24-hour McDonald's was actually really fortunate for us because of that fact. We're like... We want to go, we want to go sightseeing. Like the first day we were there, or the first full day we were there, I should say, um, we wanted to go to Ueno Park and it was 
7 a.m. or even earlier than that. And we're like, well, we need to get breakfast. The only place that's open is McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, and it and at first you feel a little guilty. But one, there are some unique items there, which are kind of cool to try. They have things that we don't have. But it's it's a convenience thing. Like, like Jen was saying, you wake up in the morning and we would go sightseeing sometimes around 6 a.m. because we were awake. I was waking up at around 2.30 or 3 in the morning. And so we would get up and it was before anybody else was out sightseeing. It was actually kind of nice. And it was it was daylight easily by, oh, I don't know, daylight by um, at six o'clock or whatever. So, you know, yeah. we were, so we were fine. And uh, but yeah, so so you went there and, and uh, you know, there later when we were waking up later, we could go to bakeries and stuff. But uh, in the beginning, it was just nice to have like some familiarity. A McGriddle. Yeah, a McGriddle. And they, and they do have so. The one thing that I got there that I really liked was they have pretty much the menus the same for the most part. Yeah. It, it's pretty much the same. But you could get a salad with, with your breakfast, which I really liked. Yeah, you could, like, <laughs> their sides are, uh, and you can get chicken McNuggets as a side. So you could, like, for a combo. So instead of fries, you can get nuggets. So you're like, oh, I'd like some chicken nuggets. Give me them nugs. Chicken nugget combo with extra nugs. Um, but I had a, uh, it, was an, it was an egg McMuffin, but it was a chicken egg McMuffin. So imagine, like, a McChicken egg McMuffin here as opposed to like a sausage or a bacon or right. a ham egg McMuffin. It was, so it was really pretty good. And it, was like a, it, was, it was like a sweet ketchup on it too. It was really good. Um, then the teriyaki burger. Yeah, that was okay. They had a, a burger that had an egg on it. Like yeah. An egg yeah. McMuffin egg. That was pretty cool. Yeah, just a regular burger you could get, which was, which was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so that first Saturday we went to, we went back to Ueno Park. So it's not nearly as big, but think of like a, like Central Park in New York City. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that. Like in the middle of this huge city, you've just got like a park district. And it's really known for the cherry blossoms. There's a temple there. Um, and it also has a lot of major museums, which we visited. Uh, I think it was the Natural History Museum while we were there. Yep. yep. And there was like a, like a railroad museum or something too. And there was some other, like it was the Industrial Science and Industrial Museum or something like that. And then there's a zoo, which is like the oldest zoo in yeah, it's, Tokyo or oldest zoo it's in Japan? Japan's oldest zoo. It hmm. opened in 1882. Okay, uh, so that was fun. You no, know, the first day was a lot of sightseeing stuff. Uh, you know, just like the temples and a lot of walking, like you always do. Uh, but we got some good stuff in. We went to the park, and then it was it, unfortunately the first couple of days were there were really rainy. Uh, it's the spring season, but it was the only like that's the only month that the cherry blossoms bloom. So like, you have to go during that. It's you know, the next time boring. I go, we maybe don't have to go and see it again. But the first time you go, you just have to. Like, I'd love to go during summer sometime, you know. But, man, going during spring with, uh, with that was great. Yeah, the rain wasn't too bad. I mean, it wasn't downpour except for maybe a few spots here and there. It was just a light misting, enough to be a little frustrating if you're trying to take pictures with a really nice camera that has interchangeable lenses and you want to keep those pieces dry obviously mm -hmm. inside the camera when you swap out lenses so i had a little bit of trouble um but thankfully our airbnb did supply umbrellas and that's something you will see if you do end up visiting japan they they realize that it rains a lot and so a lot of um stores and shopping areas have places to put your umbrellas when you're not using them. They also have umbrella covers in a lot of places as well to keep from dripping your wet umbrella everywhere, which is also really nice. So you can tell they're kind of built for that type of weather. Yeah, it, it's funny. I made this observation. A lot of the restrooms there don't have paper towels. 
because they're 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 obviously being a smaller country they have to be very mindful of their trash and recycling and and stuff like that so they don't have like it's kind of custom to bring your own hand towels to dry your hands and use a restroom mm -hmm. and a lot of places have the hand dryers and a lot of places don't like the electric dryers um so i thought it was funny that you know they're very big on that but you go to mcdonald's and there's like a like essentially an umbrella condom that you walk in the door <laughs> you like stick your umbrella into this mechanical box and you pull it out and it covers your umbrella with like a thin plastic glove to prevent the dripping in the store so that's obviously a good idea you don't want water dripping everywhere but it's kind of like you guys don't use paper towel in the bathroom because you're worried about waste and then you have hats for your umbrellas and it's just a whole <laughs> thing of plastic hats but maybe it's different like maybe plastic's more recyclable than paper there you know it's it's hard to say but um i think that has something a lot to do with it they do so much plastic recycling in general for example in our airbnb we had three uh three trash cans one was for um aluminum aluminum cans and glass one was for plastic bottles that you had to take the label off of them and then the middle garbage can was for everything else but they've got that down to a fine science there's actually a little infographic that was above the receptacles that had oh every tuesday this is when you can put your old electronics on the curb and every other every third thursday you can put out your old appliances and, and they will go and pick them up which is a really great system because it it allows the whoever is responsible i guess it's the government hmm. i don't know whoever's responsible for the waste management knows okay we're going to get all of these appliances on this day and they can they can work around that and then people know and they don't just like because i know sometimes i've thrown out things that probably shouldn't have been thrown out but should have been disposed of in a different way but it's just because i don't know how to do it or i don't know when that happens or when it's allowed and and so that takes the guesswork out of it which is really nice and like you said japan is a very very small island and they don't have a lot of room for landfills so they have to come up with different solutions that for their recycling and be really mindful of it and in every train station or even on the streets when you're shopping they have at least four waste receptacles, you know, for bottles, for cans, for trash, for paper. So it's very, very well thought out. Yeah. And that, that's the other thing about that country, just on the piggyback on that, about the size of it, you, you know, this in the back of your head, but you don't realize it till you're there. But being a smaller country, they don't build out, they build up. up. Mm -hmm. So like you go into a McDonald's and, you know, imagine your typical McDonald's, you walk in where the counter is. And then imagine that the rest of the restaurant's always only about the same size as behind the counter. And there's only a couple tables and chairs and you're like, oh, okay. And then all of a sudden you see a staircase and there's a whole second floor. You walk up to the second floor and the whole top of the restaurant is the seating. So like everything has four or five to 10 floors. Our Airbnb was like an eight or 10 floor. Everyone's floor was their own apartment, but it was just a building that just went straight up mm -hmm. for eight floors. But um, so yeah, I went to the zoo. Ueno was fun. Um, there was kind of like a cherry blossom festival going on. So when we were walking back to get ready to leave, there was uh there was like a some sort of street food festival or something going on. There's a temple there too that a lot of people go to pray to. There was like a line like down 
must've been a couple hundred people waiting to do whatever at that shrine. Yeah. Um, it wasn't very pray. clear what they were doing. No. And uh, so there's a lot of really good street food as we're walking by and it was really busy. And part of what I wanted to do in Japan is eat a lot of street food and a lot of food in general, but just try a lot of different stuff. And as I was walking out, I've, I want to try a few things that was super busy and like, I wasn't sure what I would like. I wasn't sure how to order it. Wasn't sure how much it costs. You know, all these little things. This is like literally the first full day we're there. So we're walking out though. And as we're walking out, we see the last one on the end. First of all, there's a whole bunch of people standing there. Anytime you see a food stand with a whole bunch of people there, you know it's good. <laughs> right. Right. And so I went there and they basically had, it was rice on a stick. So a long, think like a kebab a skewer. And yeah. So then imagine like a cylinder of rice packed around the whole thing. And then wrap it in bacon. But really thin. But their bacon's different there. thin, thin. Almost like prosciutto. Yeah. Their bacon's different there. It's not as salty, but it still has the same bacon flavor. It's very, very good. And, and it was uh, covered in like a barbecue sauce, wasn't it? There were three different sauces you could choose. And I chose whatever the bottom one was. Uh, don't know the name of it, but it was very good. There, Because there was a barbecue that was like a teriyaki and there was something else. And then we picked the something else. Wasn't it a salt and pepper? Oh, there, there was that, too. I think it was teriyaki, salt, and pepper, and then whatever the third one was, so we picked that. Mm-hmm. It was very good, though. Could have been just soy. It, it might have been. It was, it was a subtle flavor, but it was really good. So that was kind of the first thing I had there that was, like, different uh, of their food, and it was really, really good. Uh, and then, so that was, you know, pretty typical stuff. And then Sunday, we went to Joypolis. Oh, oh, is that what we did? Yeah, so sun, so Sunday was, um, was my birthday, uh, and so we went to Joy Plus, which is like a big Sega arcade, and they have these really, really big, like arcade, almost like rides. It's almost like Disneyland kind of rides. Like you have to get tickets and you have to wait in line for like forty five minutes to ride these rides. Um, but they're video game themed rides. So the first one we did was this uh, arcade game where you're in like a like a imagine like a futuristic luge. So, like, it was actually a two-seater, so me and Jen were both playing together, and uh, it was a full 360 rotating device, though. So you're, you're sitting in this chamber, you're locked in, and then as you're sliding around these tubes in the, in the ride, it moves the actual device you're sitting mm-hmm. in. So you're essentially controlling the ride because you're spinning, and then when you have a spot to do a 360, you both hit, like, your turbo buttons, and you sync up a 360, and then it whips you around, like, three times. And it was very, very fun. Uh, that was cool. Uh, you had to leave all your change in a little lockbox because it would have all flown out and flew around everywhere. And then they, they were very adamant about that, you know, their safety sort of thing. Um, because, you know, what they said was if if something falls into the ride, it, it goes into like an emergency, emergency shutdown. And, you know, you wonder if, if that's true or if they just say that so that they prevent people from having that. Um, having that problem, but I'm pretty sure it can definitely do some damage if change falls into sure. like a mechanical area. <laughs> so then after that, the next ride we got into was like this Transformers ride. So it was like an on-rails shooter, but you were in like a pod and it the pod moved as the on-rails shooter moved. Yep. So like, you know, like, so you were, it was a Transformers thing and you're, you're, I think you were like a pilot and you're fighting with the Autobots. And you're flying around, and it's just like doing this full 360. It's it's taking you straight up, and then it's taking you like down, and then holding you there. So like I don't know. I actually the ride did not make me feel good. And I don't get queasy and stuff like that on rides, and that ride like tensed me up. And I I don't know. Like thankfully it was over because I actually I hate to admit this, but I I felt almost like a tinge of being ready to pass out from it. 
like it was such sporadic movements and spinning and when we got off it i was like oh i need to like take a break from rides and unfortunately maybe not want to do any other ride type rides because i just i didn't trust myself after that because the last thing i want to do is be on a ride in a foreign country and pass out and or you know toss some cookies around you know not that it got that far but just um then we did the biohazard yeah walk through which was fun it was it, it's in top five things that we did on that trip because <laughs> so it's so biohazard you know obviously resident evil it was a resident evil seven haunted house guided tour so and we had this the coolest japanese guy mm-hmm. on this tour so they warned us in advance that it's maybe not an english speaking event you know we're like okay but the guy who was doing it knew very good english and so he was talking to us for as much as he was talking to the other uh japanese uh tourists and he, it was like we were all part of like this investigative squad checking out this haunted house and we're there and it was just great and he leads us through and there was even a part where we had to look for a key in a room which jen found i did Yatta. <laughs> and uh so we had to find the key and then later we had to like learn the, the keypad and so like we had to try to enter the right keypad to get into this room and we had to find clues around the room to get the keypad it was it was really well thought out it was really fun and then later they have actors that were like hiding in a room and there's an actor walking around uh, pretending to be one of the bakers like with the lantern and she's walking around oh, and she like bangs creepy. on the door. It, it was pretty cool. Um, we died. And at the end, it said that we died. And he said that like, oh, there's a way you can win and survive. And I found that really intriguing because I don't know what we could have done differently seeing it was like a, uh, pretty much a guided tour. But I would have, it made me want to do it again. Um, and that was really, really fun. Actually, it was really cool. Uh, but and then uh, lastly, at Joypolis, we did the initial D racing, which you were really excited about. I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, and and I, I think I was probably the only one who cared. But initial D is one of my favorite anime, and so they have a an initial D arcade racing game where it's unfortunately it's not like a versus thing. You're not against each other or anything. Um, it's just you. It's kind of like a lone experience, and. It's a two-seater though, which is kind of boring for the passenger because Jen just kind of oh, came. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Jen just kind of came along for the ride, but it was fun for me because they actually have replica cars, which I might argue are the actual automobiles from the anime, like like uh, an actual car that they just gutted because the interiors are one-to-one remakes of the actual cars. So like you sit in this car and it's like sitting in that actual car and not like a plastic version of it, like the door handles and the windows, like everything shuts and it's like yeah, it's like they gutted a car. It's yeah. very authentic. And uh, so I played some initial D and uh, I was power siding around and having a great time. And uh, I got to drive uh, the AE86, which is the white car that's like the main character's car. It's the ghost of Akina. So I got to drive that. And it was just really good. It was a really good like end to that day. Uh, and then we ate some dinner. It was okay. Like I didn't like it, it was a soba noodles. Oh, right. Soba. So- so I didn't like that restaurant. I don't necessarily think I don't like soba noodles. I just don't think I like that restaurant. But that's okay. You know, not every restaurant I've ever eaten at here is amazing. Uh, but then after that, I think we pretty much headed home for the night. Mm, yeah, I think so. I think that was it. And then uh, and then the next day was big because the Monday we went to Kyoto. So Kyoto is a couple hours south of Tokyo, uh, like southwest. So we took the bullet train. Hmm? What? <laughs> oh so like um the nozomi is like uh the 
really, really fast bullet train. Yeah, the bullet train, you know, it's just that ultra fast train from Japan. So it's kind of cool um, riding that. It's um, smooth. It's very smooth. Uh, and it's it's just cool. I mean, um, that's something that they were thinking about building in Wisconsin and ended up being like turned down. But um, it, it was supposed to, they were going to do one from Milwaukee to Madison. It was going to be like an hour. And then uh, if they did one from like Green Bay to Milwaukee, it would have been like the same thing, like an hour. And then it could have been like Green Bay to Chicago in almost two hours which I think would have been amazing to take a train to the airport, yeah. you know, uh, instead of having to drive down and we could all fly out of here. I think it would have actually done really well here, but um, there's apparently a proposal to try to keep bringing something like that back. So uh, yeah. So, you know, whatever. Uh, so it's just a train, no big deal. But Kyoto is, uh, it's still a very big area, but it's a more traditional area and it's a more, I, I want to say more rural, but I guess it's not really a good way of putting it. It's just like, it's not New York city. Tokyo is like New York city. It, Kyoto just felt a little more homey, I guess. A little more. They wanted. To, they have a lot more traditional uh, architecture, and and the further you get out of Tokyo, the less English they speak at different places and have it everywhere, which is fine. Um, and it was cool. So um, the first day, though, we got there. Um, that was that was the big day, because that was, I get to say, <laughs> probably going to be a memory <laughs> of one of the greatest days of my whole life. Because I asked Jen to be my wife. <laughs> and it started off really well because she said yes. Yeah, so, that, well, that's, that's good to tell people. <laughs> this engagement and subsequent marriage uh, is off to a good start. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, But we were in Kyoto and we were in an area called the Path of Enlightenment, which is like a long river uh, that just has these beautiful cherry blossoms just blooming. You can look down the whole river. It's like a walkway with a bunch of little shops and little activities to do. And I found the absolute perfect spot I wanted to ask but there were too many people taking pictures there. So we picked another one right next to it, <laughs> which was also a very good spot. Um, and uh, it was, it was very cool. And she said, yes. And uh, so that made me very, very happy. Uh, mostly because I was carrying the ring with me uh, halfway across the world and yeah. I didn't feel like losing it. And it was nerve wracking uh, a lot of the time, but it was good. Well, and like I had told people before, like I knew something was up because when we got into Kyoto, well, first of all, the directions that Google Maps gave us to get to where we were going were not great. Um, essentially, we were trying to get into Kyoto, into a specific area so that we could go to a tea ceremony, an authentic, traditional tea ceremony. And uh, the Google Maps directions told us to take a bus from a station. So we found the station, no problem. Or the terminal or whatever, the bus stop. It was a bus stop, yeah. But the bus never came. So <laughs> we, we watched a bus. We watched the bus a couple blocks down, like, get close and then keep going. Yeah. So we don't know if something happened, if they were doing construction and then had to reroute it. But there was nothing there that indicated to us that the bus would ever stop there. So it was very frustrating. And so we decided, okay, well, let's walk to this other bus stop and see what we can find. And then by that time, it's like, okay, well, we've only got about... 30 minutes and it'll take us 30 minutes to walk there so let's get walking so we started walking and then all of a sudden we're in this the middle of this alley in kyoto and this uh, taxi pulls up like out of the blue like we we didn't call for it we didn't hail it it just showed up well like <laughs> we, we were walking and we we're like you know we should just find a taxi and then i turned around and there was just literally a taxi there it was so, so weird like... we joked 
uh, very lightly that it was the spirit of Kyoto trying to help us get to where we needed to go. <laughs> we, we, were, we were joking, and Jen didn't remember this from Pee-wee's Big Adventure, which I, I can't believe you didn't remember this. I'm a loner, Dottie. But, a rebel. <laughs> but, like, we were making the joke that it was, like, Large Marge. And oh, if you've seen that yeah, movie where, where she's, like, the she's the trucker, and he got a ride, and, and when he gets out, you know, she scares him, but she says, you know, tell him Large Marge sent you. And then he goes into the, the, the truck stop, and he's like, uh, Large Marge sent me? And everyone, like, drops their coffee and gasps because Large Marge has been dead for, like, 15 years. Oh, and it's all spooky. Um, and so I thought it was funny because it was, like, he, he kind of just showed up. And then we made that joke that he was just the ghost of uh, the ghost of Kyoto. Um, but, yeah, so the, the tea ceremony was cool. It was really cool. Uh, we went to a place that was kind of in the back behind a, a little shopping district. The person who gave the the ceremony or uh, performed the ceremony performed yeah. the ceremony spoke very very good english so it was very nice um and it was pretty neat because you know obviously it being traditional but she was wearing the you know full kimono garb and explained each of the steps and all the different tools that they use and we sat on the floor and it was just really neat and we each got to make our own cup of matcha which was not what I expected. I had never had matcha. I had had green tea before, but matcha is different. It is still made from green tea, the green tea plant, but it's actually a ground version of the of the tea, as opposed to when you brew green tea, which is just the leaves, and then you dispose of the leaves. Yeah, like they actually ground it all into this fine, fine powder, mm -hmm. and then they use the powder... Uh, and you just dissolve the powder in the water. So you're drinking like every bit of the tea leaf as opposed to just using the tea leaf to infuse mm -hmm. the water. So it was very interesting. I didn't like the... I prefer my tea to be sweetened. I, I can drink unsweetened things. I would have liked it, you know, iced or something to that effect. But it was nice to have like the actual ceremony and drink the actual beverage and it was it was really really cool and a really cool experience um to to have um after that we just uh we walked around kyoto did a little perusing but then we were hungry so we went to an italian restaurant yeah there's a <laughs> lot of italian just, restaurants it was just funny because we just picked a place um based on you know just kind of we were walking and we looked and Nothing was really jumping out at us, and once again, I mean, to have Italian food made by Japanese people was very interesting, for sure. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was good. And then I think it was after lunch then that we were walking around. Yes. Found found the path of enlightenment, and then we, you know, I asked her to be my wife, and she said yeah, and it was great. Um, and then, um, we there was like along that walkway there was a like a like a pottery. Uh, thing uh, like a, like a shop you walked in this guy made pottery but you could pay to have like a pottery class essentially and you went in there and you made your own piece of pottery and then we haven't gotten them yet but he, he you choose a paint he paints it and then he mails it to you it was really really cool he had four pottery wheels set up and I mean obviously he didn't he didn't speak much English which was fine because when you're talking art and you know, telling somebody when you're when you're doing that type of art, it's better to show somebody anyway. So it was a very good thing um, for him, you know. He because he probably got people from all different walks of life, not just 
Americans, but there was a French family that came in later and then a girl who had already been there like six times already yeah. over the last six weeks. That was weird. That almost... I didn't think it was weird. I thought, you know, like I said, she was probably there for work or for school and she didn't know anybody. And this was like her outlet, her social outlet was to go and do this pottery. And she said that she's like, now that I've done it so much, she's like, when I go back home, I'm going to have to have to get my own pottery wheel. Yeah. <laughs> it seemed like one of those things where she just, uh, I don't know. She she was, I think she was into the guy. She was into the pottery place. I don't know. Guy. He was a he was a nice looking fella. Yeah, he was. He was, he was young, nice yeah. looking. That goatee though. Yeah, was that, one of those long. Well, it was like pointy. Remember? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I don't know. It, that that didn't do it for me. But well, yeah. I was gonna say sorry. I was gonna say well, I I will say what I what I noticed. That was kind of not the first time, but I noticed it kind of everywhere. And then it just got confirmed later on in the trip. Everyone who was there in some sort of service role was awesome. Mm -hmm. Like everyone seemed to be very happy with what they were doing, or they at least were good at pretending about it. it. Here, like it's very rare to get good service. I feel lately, like you get service, and it's not like it's necessarily bad service. You just get service, as opposed to you know, like there. I just felt like everything was everyone was happy to give service. I don't know how to describe it. It was just really cool. I think it goes back to just the the not the mentality but the the society as a whole you know when you when you work in an industry you know it's the same thing like going back to the fact that you know we went to McDonald's and we all felt that what we received in terms of food actually looked like the pictures in the advertisements of that food yeah that's a very good example like the other day, I was joking when I did the other podcast with those guys because one of them got McDonald's on the way over, and it just looked like someone made their burger and then down thrust punched it <laughs> on the table, like, like, like elbow. What did they call that with the the elbow, elbow drop? Yeah, the ma like Macho Man just went up, came down from heaven, and elbow dropped onto this cheeseburger. Bam! So, uh, <laughs> so. You know, I was making a joke with that, but there, everything looked like the picture. Like, it wasn't compressed. Like, I don't know how else to describe it, but everything was like, the bun, what, you know, if it was supposed to be like this beautiful dome, it was a beautiful dome. And everything was like fluffy and, and like, it honestly looked like the pictures. Yeah. And that was like, okay, I'm not used to seeing that because it's about taking pride in your work. And I was raised to, no matter what you choose to do, no matter what you do with your life, take pride in your work because it is important. Mm -hmm. It's important to somebody. You know, you work in the service, the food service industry, you know, providing good food and and safe food is is something to take pride in. Or, you know, working, you know, in a, a gas station, you know, anything that you do, you can feel proud of. And that's important because that just, like, you shouldn't feel like you're beneath some type of yeah. work, you know? Well, it... well I, I've read a lot of things, and one thing that really stuck with me about that kind of subject was that someone said there's a difference between being happy and being fulfilled, mm. right? So when you're working, like, like, true happiness comes from fulfillment, and you kind of define what fulfills you. And for some people, it's working hard, or it's, it's not necessarily even working hard, it's, it's achieving something. So you can find fulfillment in any job you do. You can find ful like fulfillment in any 
you, you being successful is you feeling fulfilled. It doesn't, you know, you set your own parameters for that. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, that it seems like there they just have, especially a joypolis too, like everybody working there was like super happy and smiling, doing the double hand wave thing. And like everybody was just like, ah, hey, ah, thanks for coming. And so like they were, they were happy making us happy. The guy doing the Resident Evil tour, like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I hope that that's the only thing he gets to do there because he's awesome at he's it. He's really good. And he should be like, he shouldn't have to do anything else in that whole park. Kill like, a sandwich. Yeah, killer sandwich because uh, he's making a joke because there were two of the bakers were chasing us. He's a killer sandwich because we were in the middle of the two. It was so uh, nice. He was awesome. But I mean, going back to the pottery thing, it's like he has four pottery wheels. You know, it's probably he. I'm pretty sure he smokes while he's doing it because there was like an ashtray. Yeah. But and not that that has anything to do with it. But you know, he's got four pottery wheels set up, and I'm sure you know. His business goes in spurts. This is probably his busiest time because this is the busiest time that Kyoto has in terms of tourism because of cherry blossoms. But that doesn't mean that they don't get tourists throughout the year. But it was just like I thought about it. I'm like, he should really get, you know, like four more pottery wheels and, and all this kind of stuff and streamline it. And and then I thought about it. As he, you know, just because he would be able to serve people faster doesn't mean that it would be any better you know what i mean right, like right. it would almost take something away because like i got to see him weigh out everybody's clay and i didn't mind because i was i was on vacation i wasn't in a hurry to right. get anywhere it was like at that point we were kind of free free roaming you know like we we did the major thing we wanted to do and then it was just we got some hours of light left our feet aren't hurting too bad yet Let's it wasn't raining Thankfully, it wasn't raining when we got to Kyoto. Yeah, the first day it didn't rain, thankfully. Second day, however, different story. But first day, it was not raining. <laughs> but it was great, you know, and he took time to kind of show us, like, how we needed to pinch the clay and, and, and manipulate it. And then we got to choose what glaze we wanted. And I mean, it was a really, really good experience. And something that I'm really glad that we did because... I don't, I think Ashley saw it first or Ashley and I both spotted the place first and we're like, gosh, this would be kind of fun, wouldn't it? And then, you know, yeah, it's like, I don't know, it ended up being like, what, 10, 10 bucks to do the cup or something like that? Was it? Or, I thought it was a little bit more. I thought it was going to be 20, but it wasn't a lot. It, no, it certainly wasn't, uh, it certainly it, wasn't ridiculous. Especially yeah. when we get it, when we get the pieces back, you know, it's like, We'll have those and remember, oh, this was the the activity that we did in Kyoto on the Path of Enlightenment the day we got engaged. And mm -hmm. it, it would just it was filled with a lot of really good memories just having that piece. And I, I'm really excited to get it. <laughs> I, I am, too. I want to put that get that home to rest. Mm -hmm. um, but, yes, yeah, so that was fun. And then I, I believe on the way out, we got Tokiaki. You got takoyaki. I got takoyaki, which was uh, deep-fried octopus balls. Not octopus balls as in their testicles, but like balls of octopus. So like yeah. they ground up octopus, mash it with some stuff, bread it, deep-fry it, um, and like glaze it with like a teriyaki sauce. Um, mm -hmm. I actually didn't like it. Um, I thought I would. Uh, it looked really good. Uh, it was really, really hot, so it burned my mouth initially. But then the flavor after it cooled off just... Flavor and texture just were off to me. Didn't really like it. Wasn't bad. It was just not great. It, it like everything. Nothing I had that was bad except for the soba noodles at Joypolis. But and even those weren't bad. You just didn't really like the yeah, flavor like it of was, the broth. It was edible. 
you know, like, and it wasn't, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't good. We also visited a, a temple while we were there. It was that a, was the last thing we did. You know, a Buddhist Zen temple. Mm-hmm. Which, and that was yeah. really cool. I got some great pictures of that place. Yeah. Uh, so that was fun. So and, day one, Kyoto. So day one, Kyoto in the books. Day two then, because we were staying in Kyoto for two full days and mm-hmm. then going to Hiroshima. So the second day in Kyoto, it was like downpouring the whole day. Yeah. So again, we had our own umbrellas. So you pack up your umbrella and you go. And it was also really windy. So you're, you were fighting with your umbrella the whole time. It was actually, to be quite honest, it was miserable, I would say. <laughs> and the first hour you're getting wet, you're really frustrated. But then after you're completely soaked, you don't really care anymore. But- I would, well, what I'll say is, like, I can't complain about the weather because out of the four of us, I actually brought with us, like, in my luggage, because I tend to overpack normally. And this trip was no different. I was the only one of our group that brought a true raincoat. <laughs> yes. So for me, I'm just like, oh, this is great. You know, like I'm pretty like my pants are getting wet from like the splash or like from like, you know, how the backs of your pants will get wet, like on the lakes, because when you're walking, it'll kick up water. But that was really all. And I had really good shoes that didn't hold on to water. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was comfortable and I was warm and I was dry because I also dressed in layers. Um, so I was like, I was trying not to be like, oh, I'm totally fine because I was like, uh, I'm not going to bring up the fact that I'm totally fine because I'm totally fine. <laughs> well, so we, we walked and we used the big thing we wanted to see was the bamboo forest. Right. So we we got to the right area. Um, and, and we're following directions. We're following directions and we're following Google Maps, which has for the most part, was very, very good, minus the bus stop thing. It technically got us to that bus stop, though. So, you know, they might have changed the route and Google wasn't aware. But yeah. this, they took us like two miles in the wrong direction. So it has us going a certain direction. We're walking up this mountain to like, it actually was kind of cool. There was a hidden temple up there mm-hmm. and the steps were brutal. So most people weren't going that high. And we, we all got like down this really cool path. that was right across, right by the river. This really cool walking path. It was a lot of fun to walk and I'm glad we did. Got some good pictures. But then we saw a staircase going up, and I walked up about three quarters of the stairs, saw that it was just a temple, met a nice couple coming down, English-speaking couple, and I was like, hey, is this bamboo garden up there? And he's like, no, man, that's way, way over there. <laughs> so we uh, we ended up not going all the way up there and then getting, you know, kind of, we wasted, it was probably an hour or something, hour and a half almost, like, walking over there and, and but, walking back. Like you said, I mean, we got really good pictures. I mean, it was... a an area where you could see all the different levels of like the the mountainous region and everything so you got to see really cool like um perspective shots where you could see like the mountains in the foreground the mountains in the background and then the water and then there was a boat going back and Mm. forth i mean it was really picturesque and i got some really good pictures of it it wasn't what we were trying to get to but again i i was an adventure I wasn't in a position to complain because I was wearing a really great yeah. raincoat and it all the water beaded off of me. Well, and you had and you had good shoes too. Like one of our friends we went with, unfortunately, his his shoes just weren't holding Ugh. up on the trip for him, and the poor guy, his feet were just killing him. I think after this day, his shoes were perpetually being a nuisance yeah. to him. Yeah, it, it was. A, it, yeah, and once you like once your feet kind of hurt, like that takes time to recover so if you keep walking that much every day like it takes a while for your feet to 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 get better you know to not ache all the time um so we came back down from that 
uh, we crossed back over this big bridge, walking, rain, whipping, we were traffic crab- everywhere. We were crabby. We were crabby. Like, we were to the point where we were, and this was only at, like, maybe noon or something. Like, we were crabby already. We were, like, rumph-rumphing around, you know. And, and, and then we saw a sign <laughs> for an owl forest slash cat cafe. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just on a whim, we're like, oh, a cat cafe. Well, we always want to do one of those, right? Let's, yeah, we wanted to do one of those anyway. Well, let's do that so we can tell people we went to a cat cafe. So you go up there and it's uh, it's a two it's a two part thing. It's split into two parts. One's an owl forest, which has owls that you can pet. Yes, you can walk up to them and pet them. And then there was a cat cafe uh, with a bunch of kitty cats. So the owls were beautiful. Um, I do have to say this: like it sucked a little bit because you could see they were they were chained down like with leather straps. And apparently, though, we asked them about it, and they said that they do get to fly at night and they get to hunt. Uh, they're only like uh, locked down for like the four or five hours a day that they have the mus- the owl forced open so you felt kind of bad at first um because they were stuck there but they do get to free roam it's not like they're stuck there 24 hours a day or something they're not like abused or anything like that and um some of the owls they're still in training so you can't pet them because they'll snip at you (laughs) a little little crabby (laughs) and uh so they'll snip at you uh and then some that you can pet will also snip at you (laughs) so like they get that look on their face like if you ever boned a cat they get that look on their face like you pet me i'm gonna bite you and you're like I know that face. So, and what was kind of um, disappointing, especially for me as a Harry Potter lover, there were two snowy owls, but for whatever reason, they were cordoned off um, and behind, almost like they were in like a cage, almost like a glass. It was like a plexiglass display. Yeah, it was almost, very yeah. odd. Like I don't know if maybe they were they were getting treated. They had something that they didn't want to spread to the other owls. Um, but it was really disappointing because both the snowy owls that they seemed to have in their possession at this cafe was, um, were unable to be interacted with. And I was, mm-hmm. I wanted to, I wanted to see the snowy owls up close. Yeah. They, they, they were great though. And some of the owls, like their facial look is awesome. Cause you know, it's not like the way their face looks has nothing to do with their emotions. But some look really angry, and some look really sad, and some look like mental cases. It was really funny. Like, like owls are great, and uh, they're super, super soft. Like, you could pet them with the you pet them with the back of your hand, and like you pet it, and you feel like you could pet four inches deep of feathers. <laughs> um, and it's, they're they're really soft and nice. Um, the cat cafe was really cool. They were all Bengal cats, and if you're not familiar with Bengal cats, they kind of have. Um, spots like a leopard almost but they're just the regular cats they're domesticated cats but they just have these beautiful patterned coats and there were ones that were kind of a caramely brown and then some that were white or cream colored um our friend ashley was what we called the cat whisperer because at one point she had four of them in her lap it's the perfect example if you're a cat owner it's a perfect example of if you try to get a cat's attention, they don't want anything to do with you. Yeah. But as soon as you just sit down and like pretend like you don't care, they'll just mosey on over to you and just sit in your lap. And our <laughs> friend Ashley, they don't they don't um own cats, they have dogs. So she was sitting there and they've always joked about wanting to get a cat. And she's sitting there and a cat comes up and lays down. She's like, Oh, it's so cute. And then a second one. And then a third one. So she's got three fur balls in her lap. <laughs> and then she's sitting there and she's kind of giggling it. I have a really cute video of her just losing her losing her stuff. And uh, she's sitting there giggling, and then a fourth one is stepping on all the other cats to try to, like, snuggle in and get in <laughs> on this, you know, this cat, this cat party. And uh, and so 
Ash is just losing it because it's just an adorable picture of it's her. It's just but... so funny because they're very snuggly. Like, they want to snuggle in and find a nice little place to sit. And it, it's just really... And, like, I know that other cafes are, like, true cafes where, like, you, you order your right. drinks and everything <laughs> and they'll bring it out to you and whatever. And maybe this was because it was a cat cafe. I'm not sure. Or this is just how they did it. But really, the cafe part of it was there was a, a vent, two vending machines for hot or cold drinks um, that, you know, like any, like when you go to any sort of like uh, work office where they have like the cappuccino machines where the cup drops down and it fills it, it was kind of like that. And, you know, the, the guy who was monitoring everything made sure he's like, you know, you have to put the lids on because they will knock them over. and. Mm -hmm. They don't have to, um, they don't want to clean it cats. up. Cats, just, they just knock stuff off of surfaces. But yeah, so it was a cafe in the sense that you bought, you played with cats and then you got a free drink in the corner. Yeah, <laughs> it was nice. I liked it. And I could get, you know, I drank so much cafe au lait's. So many, I should say. So many cafe au lait's while I was there. It, uh, but, but the cool thing about it was it completely and utterly recharged our batteries. Yeah. Like 100%. So we went from being just 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 i don't know cranky and hungry and cranky and we went from that to oh, we're ready to go again and so it kind of gave us a second wind and then we we found the right bamboo forest um and which was which was absolutely beautiful i don't know what else much more to say about it without showing it and even in pictures just don't do it justice it's kind of like around here our our darker forest like you get to a really dense forest but it's all bamboo which is very beautiful and something you don't see around here so it was just really neat. Um, it was it was a long walk. It was like they had a pathway carved out and paved through this forest, so you could just walk right through it and just I don't know. It just felt something magical about it. You know, mm -hmm. it was just really really pretty and got through that. Took some great pictures and then we went back and had Robin. Well, bef uh, yeah, before well before we did that, I had some more street food. Oh gosh, I, I can't forget about the steamed bun. There's a steamed bun which had like a some sort of pork filling like in the middle. Pork. It wasn't even barbecue. It was, like, it was almost like a pork gravy. Like it was a savory. Not it was. I tried a little bit of it. It, it was delicious. It was. So I, I don't know how to describe it, but it was like $2 and it was one of the best things I've ever eaten. It was so, <laughs> so this, the bun was so soft and it was so good. Um, they're, they're really interesting there. They get like, they get really good flavor without having all the salt and preservatives that we mm -hmm. put on things. And I don't know where it comes from or how you cook that way, but it's delicious and it's not any more expensive. So I don't really know what's wrong with our country having to like fatten us all up with our meals, but it was it was all good over there. Um, and then yeah, so where did we eat that night in Kyoto? We ate at the station. The station. Remember, we had to go up ten floors. Oh yeah, ramen yeah, yeah. We, yeah, that's right. We had ramen in the in the train station, and the, it was a very. I will say this: it's a very it's very confusing. Um when you order at a place like Ramen Street, which is in uh, Kyoto Station, you actually go into this other area and it's like 10 floors up and it's a shopping district. But the the 10th floor is like a lot where a lot of their food is and they have what they call Ramen Street, which is just a string of ramen shops. Now here's a little tip for everybody. If you're going to order ramen, from a vending machine yeah because well the way it works is they have like an uh, like a, a computer ordering system right so, so you, you stand outside you order you pay and then they get the ticket they come out to you and double check everything then they seat you 
So it's their kind of way of speeding the process up a little bit. So it saves them from having to, one, collect payment, two, collect orders. You do all of that. You pay for it. You get a ticket printed. You give it to your um, waiter or waitress. And then um, you sit down and, and then you wait for it to come out to you. Now, a word to the wise. Don't do what we did and try to combine orders. Order your yep. meal separate from anybody else's. Like, even if you're planning, if you want to pay for them together, don't don't be tempted. Because we ended up having a very confusing experience where Greg wanted something that was made extra spicy. But then I was the one that got the spicy. And it was very confusing. So if you do end up doing that sort of ordering process it's great it's convenient but order it one plate at a time yeah. because it'll save yourself a lot of trouble and a lot of confusion well, yeah, later because we ordered and then she came out and was like so which one's spicy and you're like wait what because you add spicy to the menu to like to you pay you pay for it and you pay for the egg and then she's like okay who wants the egg and you're like well but unfortunately she's not speaking english so you, you don't really understand what's happening and so you just kind of nod and agree and then the order comes out wrong, but it's fine. It was, it was decent enough. Like I didn't get what I wanted. So I was a little salty, but it was definitely, I mean, it was still good. It was still good food. Not as good as the good ramen shop we found in Tokyo, but oh, it was, it was still good. Yum. Um, but then, so that was the end of that day. And then the next day we took the train, um, Southeast, I believe then mm-hmm. to Hiroshima. Oh, Southwest. Southwest more. It yeah. was Southwest further. So, okay. it's, it, it, it's to Kyoto. Oh yeah. Down to Hiroshima and then back. Okay. So, so yeah. So into Hiroshima and, um, we didn't have a lot of time there. Uh, we, we only had a day, like, cause we were actually, we zipped in the morning and we were leaving that night. So mm-hmm. we didn't stay overnight in Hiroshima. Um, but, uh, Ashley and Jen had booked this kayaking tour, which full disclosure, I really thought was going to be kind of stupid. <laughs> I'm just being totally honest. Like, I really thought like, I mean, I'm just not a kayak person and I thought it was just going to be us, you know, I really just thought it was going to be us like, you know, in a kayak and just going around a little thing and it, you know, I just, I just, not, not that it wouldn't have been fun. I just, it didn't, it didn't interest me at first, but it was something that you guys want to do. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you guys want to do it, I'm going to go along and do it. So that was my thought going into it. My, um, 100% after doing it, it was one of the best things we did on the trip. And I'm so great. glad we made it happen because we had to take this, like a train almost to the last stop to get out to this little part of Hiroshima that like the train station wasn't even inside, right. you know? And it's just like, it almost looks like this just like, like you travel back in time it's a nice rural area no skyscrapers nothing crazy and it was beautiful but i want you to, you can talk about the paddle park because you you know uh booked it and you guys had a great time with it so. well i mean going we also we we had to take the earliest available train from kyoto to hiroshima and then after getting to hiroshima we had to take another train to get to the paddle park and we were cutting cutting it pretty fine and we had told um, the owner, Mashi, you know, we're, we're going to be there. It, it, if the trains are delayed, we're going to be late, but we will get there as close to our appointment time as we possibly can. And it ended up working out okay. I don't think we were late. I think we were just on time. We got there pretty much right on time, yeah. Uh, essentially, we did doubles, uh, double kayaks. And, you know, we had the whole, the whole kit and caboodle with the the uh, life preserver and the little rubbery kind of, I don't know, I guess it was a skirt. The thing that fits around your middle to cover the opening of the kayak. Yes, yeah, so you don't get wet. It was actually quite awesome. It was nice. Yeah. 
um, it was one of the better kayaking experience that I have had. I've only had a few in the past, but one thing I really did appreciate and I don't think I've ever experienced was that the actual oars that you use or the paddles, whatever you want to call them on the act on the, um, on the paddles themselves had these little rubber gaskets that prevented the water from sliding down the rest of the the handle and then getting on your arms yeah which i i like (laughs) when i thought of kayaking i was like oh yeah your top half gets really wet but with these little cups that were on the ends yeah we didn't get i didn't get wet at all like like i only when i was getting out at the island because we basically kayaked out to an island yeah uh and so we kayaked uh, out to an island um and when i was gate yeah when i was getting out like one foot hit the sand because like when my shoe when I was getting out of the kayak when my shoes <laughs> got stuck in the kayak so my foot went on the sand Oops. but it wasn't even wet I, I, it was it was quite pleasant actually mm-hmm. yeah it was no problem at all so like you said we we um and we... that oh sorry and just wanted to say too and it was the most beautiful day we spent in Japan was the day of that kayak like it was just the mm-hmm. sun came out it was absolutely beautiful it was so it was the perfect day to do it and unfortunately what what three out of four of us didn't realize is that we should have probably wore sunscreen. <laughs> I forgot that when you're on the water, it's even more important because not only are you getting the sun reflection from above, you're getting it from the water and up. So yeah, double hit. Yeah. Thankfully I was wearing a high necked kind of fleece, um, not jacket, but just like a, pullover almost Mm -hmm. so i didn't get like my neck or my the back of my neck sunburnt it was mostly just reserved for my arm like my uh what do you call this part your forearm my forearm Mm -hmm. and my face were were a little pink (laughs) but um anyway but we kayaked through this beautiful gate which it was funny because we were when we were talking about places to go in Hiroshima, even though we had a very small amount of time, we're like, oh, it'd be so great if we saw this gate. And we're like, oh, but it's a little far away and we'd have to go and figure out how to get there. And then when Ashley found this paddle park, we realized that we would not only be seeing the gate, we would actually be, we found out, passing through it. Yeah, so, <laughs> so we were expecting to be near the gate. So we're like, oh, if we have extra time, we'll swing by the gate. And check it out. The path, the the kayak took us literally underneath the gate. Yeah. So we got to actually go out into the water. Because at, at low tide, you can walk out to it. Mm-hmm. But we were going during high tide. So we were able to, we paddled out. And we got to paddle underneath it. And it's funny because they are still very superstitious there. And he was very clear about not touching it. Like, don't touch don't it. Don't touch it. <laughs> got through it, but don't touch it. But what's weird about that, right? So it was obviously a big deal not to touch it. But they trusted us enough to drive these kayaks through and not yeah. hurt it. It's really interesting there. Like they just, they, there's a trusting nature there where they say, "Hey, be responsible, don't be an idiot," and then they ex- they actually believe that you won't be an idiot. Mm-hmm. Like here, you have to almost relate to the lowest common denominator all the time and say, "Like, well, we can't let someone do that because if we let someone into this gate, they're going to smash into it and, and wreck it." You or, know, there they were just like, "Well, you know, whatever." Well, going back to the whole trusting nature, I mean, not only that, but like there are things that would never fly in the states. For example, we saw vending machines that had beer in them. <laughs> Which, they, there's no, like, age or ID or anything. And there's a little kid to go up there and just buy a beer. 
In fact, they probably have parents who have their kids go to the vending machines and get them beers. That's probably a thing. I don't know about that. But I'm looking at the time that we have right now. Do you want to do part one and part two? Like, we'll we'll keep going, but we'll split it into part one and part two? Um. Well, I think we can wrap this up in like a half hour and just do an hour and a half one. Or do you want... Okay. Well, why don't we split it up then? Um, we'll call this this episode because we're at the hour mark and we don't want to bore you guys with it. Um, but then we'll upload. We'll do a two-parter deal. And uh, we'll come back with the after Hiroshima part. Because when we were in Hiroshima, we did other things too. So. Yes. Um, so I guess for now, that's uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Maybe, maybe we'll do two in one week. Like I'll put them up separately or something. Now. We'll figure it out. But anyway, just want to say thanks everybody for listening as always. And um, we'll have more Japan stuff to share with you. And I'm going to try to get some of the pictures maybe into the YouTube video so you can see some of the slides, maybe some of the stuff yeah. we saw. Um, but as always, you can contact me at uh, Game Trade Greg on Twitter, or you can get Jen at Game Talk Jen. And uh, you can always send us questions. We usually answer questions and stuff, but I know we've been away and. We really appreciate everyone being patient with us um, oh. and letting us have like an extra week or two. Yeah, ask off. us questions about Japan. And if you have any Japan questions, we'd love to answer those. Um, you can always message us uh, through the Facebook page too, uh, Game Talk Radio, or you can e uh, email us at GameTalkRadioWI at gmail.com. All right. Thank you very much, everybody. We'll Bye. talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.